The Characters of Christmas podcast with Dan Darling is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. Welcome again to another episode of the special Christmas podcast, The Characters of Christmas. And I hope you're enjoying it. I hope as you're kind of getting into the Christmas season or anticipating this Christmas season, uh, that this is a fun companion for you as you're uh, shopping or as you're putting up Christmas lights or uh, decorating your home or wrapping gifts or just kind of out and about. Today, I want to talk about one of the most... um, Visible characters in the Christmas story, but actually a series of characters um, that hover over the Christmas story. These are characters that are not quite human, but not quite divine. Uh, Sometimes they seem to float in the background, and at other times they come to the forefront announcing the good news of the birth of Jesus. And these are the angels. If you think about it, You can't really read any of the stories that the Gospels tell about the incarnation of Jesus without running into angels. They're just everywhere, right? Think about this. An angel named Gabriel uh, shows up in the temple while a stunned priest named Zechariah is minding his own business, lighting the incense on the altar. We find that in Luke chapter 1. And then, of course, as he's trembling and dumbfounded, the angel announces that Zechariah's wife Elizabeth will conceive a special Elijah-like son named John the Baptist. And then a few months later, Gabriel shows up in the home of a poor teenager named Mary and announces an even more impossible conception, a child by a young virgin who would be the son of God. And not once but twice, an angel was sent to reassure Mary's not-so-sure husband that this conception was indeed of God and not the result of her unfaithfulness. By the way, this proves that sometimes husbands require angels to work overtime. Joseph had to have two angels, and Mary had one. I always find that funny. Angels were the ones who filled the normally quiet Bethlehem sky one night, hovering above a shepherd's field, announcing to these lowly men that something big and extraordinary was happening in their sleepy town. In fact, you might say the first Christmas pageant was not written by songwriters in Nashville, but by messengers from heaven. Uh, And angels didn't just announce the good news. They were also sent by God to protect the baby Jesus from an illegitimate and ruthless king. Uh, An angel disturbed the sleep of the Magi, the wise men, and redirected their journey, stopping a ruthless Herod from ending the life of the life giver. An angel also came to Joseph a third time. Uh, Imagine how hard it would be (laughs) for Joseph to get a full night's sleep after this. But an angel came to Joseph a third time and told him to pack his family and get to Egypt to escape Herod's sword. So you can't really tell the story of Christmas without the angels, can you? So I think it's important for us to look at the story of the incarnation from the perspective of the angels, to zoom out a little bit. And to to do this, we have to travel back before that not-so-silent night in Bethlehem before Gabriel's appearance in the temple, even back before Genesis. 
y'all, we all got weaknesses. It's okay. Just acknowledge what those weaknesses are and be willing to confront them. Even when restoration doesn't work, forgiveness always does. Chris, how did you overcome the whole passive husband thing? I let him through it. (laughs) (laughs) There is work for us to do. It is not just sit back and cross my arms and just kind of wait for God to drop the miracle. Hey, y'all, it's Dana Shea. For real faith-based marriage advice, be sure to tune into Real Relationship Talk on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Hey listeners, if you're a parent, then we've got a show for you. We know that parenting is not for the faint at heart. It can be hard to connect with your child throughout the many stages of their life. That's why Rabrina Reddle, host of Mama Take Heart, is back this fall. Wife, mom, writer, podcast host, coffee lover, and military veteran, Rabrina has a passion to help you be an influential voice in your daughter's life. In this show, she gives listeners the tools they need to love and lead well in their child's formative years. Whether you're looking for ways to intentionally connect or to have hard conversations. You can find the Mama Take Heart podcast on lifeaudio.com or in your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. The Bible tells us in the book of Job that the angels were present at the dawn of creation and have really held a courtside seat to the unfolding of God's majestic plan of redemption. And let's walk through that a little bit, shall we? We do know, of course, that there's a lot of mystery around angels. Um, But we do know that angels were created by and for Christ. Uh, These are spirits who at times put on human form to accomplish earthly missions, but they cannot reproduce. And unlike humans, they do not die. And unlike humans, they seem to have some supernatural power. Uh, In Revelation 10, for instance, one massive angel has a foot on the sea and a foot on the land. Uh, They do seem to have emotion and intellect and will. How many angels are in, are there in the world? Well, we we don't really know. Again, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 that angels cannot be numbered. In other places, they're counted in the thousands and thousands, places like Psalm 68, Revelation 5. Uh, they serve a variety of roles in Scripture. They advocate, they protect, they make war, they announce, they teach, they comfort, they guide. But mostly, these heavenly messengers have one job, to worship the triune God. Now, Scripture is not totally clear about when angels were created, but most scholars and theologians in church history believe that before God created the world, there was this cosmic battle in heaven. Lucifer, the highest angel, beautiful and gifted, uh, was created to reflect God's beauty. He lifted himself up against the Almighty, we read in Isaiah 14. <clears throat> but then he fell. You know, th- this is his fall, that he he wanted to be higher and more he wanted to be like god and the bible says that a third of the angels sided with lucifer and so lucifer and his those angels now became demons and god's sworn enemies but one thing we should keep in mind is that 
this is not an equal battle between two heavyweights. The book of Job, for instance, we read and God pulls back the curtains a little bit and tells us that even when Satan, formerly Lucifer, a created being, when he commits evil, he only is allowed to do so at the discretion of God, who in his mysterious will is able to even use that evil for his good. So this is not a even battle between God and Satan, between angels and demons. Uh, Christ has defeated the enemy powers when he died on the cross and he cried, it is finished. And he rose again and um, defeated sin and death in the grave. But angels have kind of been witnesses to God's marvelous redemption plan. The angels were witnesses to God's creation of the world, watching with wonder as the Trinity formed the universe with God's spoken word. Varied species of animals, plants, God's just wonderful artistry and creating this beautiful planet called Earth. And at every level, God declaring that this is good. But there was something in the midst of this spectacular creation that was missing. Uh, the canvas of creation was incomplete. And so the angels are there for this kind of divine pause where God admits that there's something missing in this creation. This is where I imagine the angels kind of gasping in amazement. God has not made the earth as an untouched museum piece, but it, as its own kind of studio. And the earth needed a new and special kind of being. Artists who reflect the creator, but also take up the new instruments of creation and do their own creating. So the Godhead speaks, let us make humans in our own image. And I just love the way that Moses, the author of Genesis, narrates the crafting of human life with such rich language where God, who spoke the rest of creation to existence, crafts human beings with the dust of the ground, with his hands, and breathes into humans the breath of life and stamps on humans God's image. And from this flesh and blood, God sculpts a woman from the man and again forms flesh and blood and sinew. Humans would be a new and distinct kind of creatures. Humans would have souls. Humans would have spirits. Humans would be made in the Imago Dei, in God's image. In all this, we know that angels rejoice. Job tells us about the concert in heaven that erupted at creation. He says, the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy in Job 38, verse 7. From the angel's perspective, of course, if they're watching, this is both a glorious moment and divine risk. You know, God did not need intimacy with another kind of being to find fulfillment in himself for eternity. The Father, Son, and Spirit continued with uninterrupted intimacy in every other part of creation would stop and stoop to worship the creator. But this new kind of being could both love God, but also reject God. So if you're the angels, you're thinking, what is God up to? What is God up to? You can imagine them thinking this as they guard the entrance to the garden of Eden and watch as God and human beings commune in innocence. The, man and woman enjoying each other and walking in union with God. They begin this stewardship, this rulership of God's new world. But the angels also know that lurking around is an enemy, that Satan is watching all this, and he does not find joy in the intimacy that God is enjoying with his 
those who he made in his image. So the father of lies inhabits a serpent and begins his slow work of deception. And the angels undoubtedly are watching this. And it makes no sense when they watch what goes on. Why, why would humans choose this ugly serpent over the creator of snakes? Why would they believe the lie that the one who created them was holding out and keeping back joy? And, and yet it happens. This new and beautiful world turns dark. Sin begins its slow and sure decay, marbling death into every sliver of God's beautiful world. God's image bearers make a destructive alliance with the enemy and are thrust out of Eden. And yet the angels are aware of God's attributes. They know that he is not surprised by anything. And so they watch to see how God's glory will be revealed, even in this tragic turn of events. They listen in on God's words of judgment and hope. You see, the angels watch and wonder as God unfolds history. And they see the work of Satan as he assumes control as prince and power of the air. They see and engage in God's unfolding plan to rescue his beloved creation. And it's a twisting, often agonizing story with only small slivers of redemption. So the angels... Watch sin overwhelm the human race with corruption while God rescues and restores through a single faithful family of Noah. They observe God pursue an idol-worshipping pagan named Abraham who follows with faith into a journey unknown. They see that out of Abraham, God builds a people who at times follow and at times flout his direction. They see from this nation this people, God, form a nation, and from this nation, God, pluck and crown an obscure shepherd boy to be the king, the least likely of all of Jesse's sons to be the king. And from this fragile warrior king emerge the seeds of a new kingdom, an everlasting kingdom, bigger even than Israel. But the angels also see the dark fingerprints of Satan. Generation after generation, the people of God facing internal and external foes, cycles of idolatry and repentance, uh, and eventually the judgment of conquerors, kings and queens who channel the spirit of Lucifer and attempt to snuff out the promise. But God keeps his promise and preserves a remnant in David's line. The angels listen as the prophets warn of judgment, but promise a future king and kingdom, one in which the curse of Eden will be folded back and God will do a new thing. They watch as God scatters Israel to the nations and gathers a remnant back in the land. But when the final prophet speaks and the book of the Old Testament is closed, there's, there's a silence that fills the centuries. God's people become pawns as the nations war. False messiahs appear on the scene teasing a weary and cynical people with faint and false salvation. And then, all of a sudden, the angels are summoned. First Gabriel to announce a new thing. They can hardly believe or understand what's about to unfold. The, the creator wouldn't just rescue his creation. The son would become human. He would put on human flesh. And he wouldn't appear in dazzling robes and white-hot splendor. He wouldn't blind eyes like on Mount Sinai or boom from heaven like in the Garden of Eden. No. This plan was for God to enter the world as a vulnerable, dependent 
fragile baby. So they announced to Zechariah and Mary and Joseph. They fled the earth with a celebration to the shepherds. They warned the Magi. And of course, the angels were also on call as Jesus grew. In his hour of temptation, they refreshed him as he proved the second Adam would flourish where the first Adam failed. They strengthened Jesus as he accepted the Father's cup in the garden. They were absent at Jesus' request when they could have been summoned as an army to sweep away the Roman executioners. And then in white robes, they sat atop the stone, wondering and watching as the first visitors struggled to understand the meaning of Jesus' empty tomb. The angels knew he would rise. The angels knew the power of God over sin and death in the grave. And then they know that this is not the end of, this might be the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, but it was just the beginning of Jesus' work. And as Jesus ascended, they chastened the disciples, telling them that the same Jesus would return in power one day. So they said, go and tell the world. And go, these previously fearful disciples went throughout Israel and around the known world. The angels saw the Spirit of God descend and birth a movement out of a fledgling band of disciples. At, at times they were summoned to action, freeing the apostles from prison, sending Philip on an evangelistic assignment, appearing to a Roman Gentile, Cornelius, as a sign of God's gospel spread to the nations, releasing Peter from prison and taking the life of the wicked King Herod, who had the brother of Jesus killed. The angels watch in amazement as Jesus transformed Saul from a persecutor to a disciple. And an angel guided his mes- this messenger to the Gentiles through shipwreck and into Caesar's court. And at last we see the angel traveling to the remote isle of Patmos, narrating a vision of the end of the age to the last remaining apostle. John's revelation shows the angel leading the New Jerusalem in worship as every nation and tribe gather around the throne of God. Holy, holy, they declare, is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. So this is the vision, the the view of the gospel that the angels saw and have seen. God's plan of redemption from beginning to end. And this Christmas, as we think about what the angels saw, there's a verse in 1 Peter that reminds us that angels long to experience what human beings experience in participating in the gospel that only human beings are objects of God's special redemptive love. But I do think we should listen to the words of the song that says to hear the angels as they're singing on the morning of his birth. Listen to the voice of the angels or as Charles Wesley said, hark the herald angels sing. In other words, listen to the testimony Listen to the words of the angels. Listen to the message of the angels that this child born is the king. Will you do that this Christmas? Will you listen to the voice of the angels and worship the king? Will you set aside everything else in your life and focus on God who became human in order to save your soul? Thank you for joining me again for this episode of The Characters of Christmas. The Characters of Christmas podcast is a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This Christmas season, we hope you'll also check out Dan's book, The Characters of Christmas, The Unlikely People Caught Up in the Story of Jesus. It's available for Moody Publishers on Amazon.com or wherever you buy your books. 
You can find more from Dan and all his latest books and podcasts by visiting his website, danieldarling.com. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and tell your friends about us? And maybe also leave us a rating on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is produced by Kelly Givens and Stephen Sanders, with editorial oversight provided by me, Stephen McGarvey. To find more great Christian podcasts like this, check out the rest of our shows at lifeaudio.com. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.